Now, I, I see that most of you remembered bringing your name tag. Uh, the Lord's grace on those of you who forgot. I, I, I realize now that I've turned gray here, forgetting is a lot easier these days. Uh, but I have my name tag. Uh, actually, this is a dual one. That was at one conference, and this one was from Singapore. And we gave this seminar on making disciples in a Salvation Army church. It was the first time they'd ever done anything like that. So they had name tags for everybody in their church, even though everybody knew each other. They just didn't know us. But they gave name tags to everyone so that we could speak to them. Of course, Chinese names are sometimes a challenge. But um, so I'm remembering the Salvation Army folks as I'm wearing that name tag this morning. I'm, uh, I'm really thrilled today. Um, this is my most favorite subjects in all of life. Looking at God, my father. My dad, uh, my natural dad, he passed away at 19, when I was 19. And uh, that was really tough for me. I was ready to enter my junior year at university. And uh, I was not ready at 19 to take on the natural responsibilities of my sister, who was uh, two years younger, and my mom. Uh, and God only became a father to me 10 years later. And I got saved six years after my dad died. But I re everything was Jesus to me in my first five or six years as a believer. It was Jesus, Jesus, Jesus continually. And, and I had a man. Actually, it was quite interesting. I was at a wedding in California. And he was sitting across from me, and he said, and I found out that he spent 26 years in a Byzantine monastery in the San Francisco Bay Area. And he left that about three or four years prior, and I just went, wow, 26 years in a monastery. What was that like, he said. It was glorious, and it was the most difficult. But as we were sitting there, I'll never forget that he said, you are angry with God. No, I'm not angry with God. I love God. No, no, I think you have the wrong person. And he says, no, you're, you're angry with God. Now, I've been a believer for 10 years. And that just didn't settle right with me. And I looked at him, and he said, it began when your father died. He had a word of knowledge, and it pierced my soul to such a degree that at a wedding reception in California, I dropped to my knees and started sobbing like a baby. And it just... Out of nowhere, it came, and, and I felt revelation. It started when my dad died, how I became angry with God. 
that I had that responsibility put on me at 19 and I wasn't ready for it, but I had to be the man. And that man came around the table. He knelt down next to me and he started praying the love of the Father into my life. And I was changed that day on my knees in the middle of a wedding reception. How awkward. I mean, people are giving toasts and dancing and, and here's Ruin in a puddle of tears <laughs> and kneeling on a chair and, and someone has his arm around him. I mean, whoa. But that was the beginning of a whole new journey for me with my father. With my father. And from that point on, I had an open door and could see that the primary reason why Jesus came was not to save mankind. It was to reveal the father of a relationship that was broken through the first Adam in the garden. And God's heart was so longing for that renewed fellowship, that renewed relationship, that unbroken communion that Adam had was severed. And the new Adam, Jesus, came to restore the relationship that was broken. And he had to give his all to purchase that for mankind. I want to share a true story. That one was a true story. I'm going to share another one. In South America, there was a father that was really estranged from his adult son, Paco. And after many years had passed, that father really regretted the broken relationship and realizing that life was too short to have unforgiveness and to stay apart. The dilemma he had is that he had no idea where Paco was. And although he wanted to be reconciled to him, he didn't know how to find him. So a thought came to him, put an ad in the regional paper. So he did that. In the regional paper, he put an ad. And here's what it said. Paco, all is forgiven. I want to be reconciled to you. Please meet me on the steps of the courthouse on Monday at 10 a.m. I love you, your father. On that Monday morning, over 300 men named Paco met on the steps of the courthouse. True story. Friends, we are in a deeply hurting generation. In most American homes, the father is absent physically, emotionally, spiritually. Abuse or rejection from either or from both parents is frequent today. It's not unusual. It's frequent. The father is the primary influence of a child's identity. He causes his girls to feel protected and safe. 
It's the father that causes his boys to feel strong and to feel affirmed. The presence or absence of an engaged, loving father is the determining factor for teenagers who get pregnant or go to prison or in, end up juvenile delinquents. Their race and their economic status have far less influence than their father has. Now, the truth is we've all suffered rejection, all of us. If not from a father, then from someone else significant that has damaged us and hurt us and wounded us. Rejection is the deepest and most common wound that the human spirit can endure. It's the feeling of totally being unwanted. Our deepest pain most always comes from family members or authority figures. And when the family member is also an authority figure, like a parent or a pastor or a teacher, the rejection can be and often is devastating. Proverbs 17, 6 says, Children's children are the crown of old men, and the glory of children is their father. It's the father that gives his children self-worth and an identity as masculine or feminine. People that are wrestling with gender identity do not have a whole relationship with their earthly or heavenly father. To a great extent, the father is responsible for the child's self-image and their security. And the same is true in the spiritual realm. It's our Heavenly Father that gives us our self-worth, that gives us a sense of being secure in God. He gives us our identity as His children and our self-image in His Word and through His Word. The blood of Jesus saves our souls, and the love of the Father heals our souls. The blood of Jesus saves our souls. The love of the Father heals our souls. And we all have a love deficit that only God the Father can fill. Now, God loves everyone unconditionally and unselfishly. He always, <laughs> he's so different from our earthly fathers. He always does that which is right, always. Always. He's perfect in every way. But we don't perceive him that way. Often our perceptions of God come from a variety of influences and some which differ greatly from what the scriptures reveal about God as Father. A.W. Tozer wrote, What comes into our minds... When we think about God is the most important thing about us. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Our concept of God influences every area of our lives. 
So why is it so easy to hold a wrong image of God in our hearts, uh, despite the clear teaching of Scripture about him? Well, it's because the negative things that we've learned and that we've experienced in our early relationships with those who are close to us are so deep, so powerful, that they can reduce the teaching of Scripture to mere head knowledge. But the truth is, we can rise no higher in our spiritual life than our view of God. Those that have had healthy relationships with their earthly fathers can usually relate to God as Father quite easily. But those that have had problems relating to God as Father usually have a painful history with their dads. To be whole within, we need the love of the Father. But we also need to repent of our reactions to our pain. That which has come as a result of our hurts. And often we can become bitter or fearful or angry. Psalm 41 verse 4 says, Lord, be merciful to me. David cries out, heal my soul. That was David's longing heart cry in Psalm 41.4. Heal my soul, for I have sinned against you. He saw that sin not only separates, it damages and needs healing. James says that in James 5.16. He says, pray for one another. Pray for one another. Confess your faults to one another that you might be healed, not just forgiven. There are some sinful patterns that are so deep, so powerful, not only do they need the Lord's forgiveness, they need his healing. Especially addictive patterns need God's healing touch as well as his forgiving power. We need to repent of our iniquities and our sins. But we tend to see God the way that we've actually viewed our authorities, whether it be parents or guardians or grandparents or pastors or teachers, the way that they have represented God to us. And too often we expect to receive from him the same injustices that we've gotten from them. So we can easily subconsciously perceive God through glasses that are colored by our guardians, their mannerisms of seeing that really blind us in discolor of how God the Father really, really is. If our parents were critical or condemning, we can see God is harsh. God is very critical and hard to please. If our parents' love was conditional, well, if you do this, we find it difficult to understand and accept God's free grace, free grace and unconditional love. We tend to work hard to win his acceptance and approval. If our guardians did not have time for us 
and weren't available to us, especially in our deepest moments of need, then we can easily see God as not caring about the small details of our lives. If we grew up fatherless, we can often see God as missing, unavailable, or simply uninterested. And if we were allowed to have our own way as children and not be disciplined, then when God withholds something from us, we believe he doesn't really love us because we've been spoiled. Where our parents or guardians have failed us, we subconsciously expect God to fail us also. In our hearts, we judge them as inadequate, and we can easily transfer that judgment onto God. That's why we need to separate our concept of God from our experiences with our authority figures. We need to believe that what the Bible says about God is true, perfect truth. That he really is almighty and he really is loving and wise. We need to see God as he really is. Not as shown to us by our education or by our experiences or the representation of our authorities or even our culture. I could tell America was on a downward slope when a comedy series came out and was a smashing hit that mocked the father in the family. He was the dummy, the idiot, had the wrong answer, all of that. I could tell America was in a downward slope. Week after week, people would sit and laugh at the father. And what a representative, what a totally distorted image of what God's heart is for a father to be in a family. Not to be the one everyone laughs about or jokes about or criticizes. The jerk in the family. We've got to accept what the Bible says. We need to believe the love of the Father and His grace toward us, and then we need to not only believe it, we need to receive it. I welcome it by faith because it can heal and free us from the powerful damage that comes with hurtful words or traumatic experiences and especially deep rejection. 1 John 4, 16, such a tremendous scripture. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. 1 John 4, 16. We must believe in our hearts that God loves us unconditionally, not just know it in our minds. We've got to believe it. We must welcome his love deep into our souls where it can heal us and set us free. And we also need to realize that there is a justice of God as well regarding our sinful areas and our sinful response to authorities that disappointed us. He is holy and he does require us to be holy as well. 
If we only focus on God's mercy and love, we're going to cheapen his grace. But if we only focus on his judgment of sin, we're going to fear intimacy with him. So we've got to perceive the Lord and the Father as he really is, with proper balance of mercy and truth, grace and justice. We attain salvation through Jesus, but we find our worth and security in our relationship with the Father. We attain salvation through Jesus, but we find our worth and security in our relationship with the Father. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from sin, but it's the love of the Father that brings us into wholeness. Wholeness. Security. His love transmits value and worth to us. You are valuable. You are a treasure to God. Often we don't feel like we are a treasure, but we are. His love just transmits that. You're of value. You're of tremendous worth in God's kingdom. Now, we need to cultivate a relationship with the Father to really believe that. But here's the bottom line. The Father is our ultimate destination. We were made by God for God. And when we are born again, Jesus imparts his faith, his purity, his holiness to us. Then it's up to us by his grace to work out that salvation into our day in and day out lives. But it's the love of the Father that brings us to a place of wholeness in the new man that Jesus made for us. I want you to turn to Psalm 27. I want you to know that King David had times where he felt abandoned and rejected by his parents. I think a classic story is when Samuel had the leading and anointing of the Holy Spirit to go and anoint a new king for Israel. Saul had proven himself unworthy, and it was time for a new king. And God spoke to Samuel, it's going to be from the house of Jesse. So he goes to Bethlehem, and he gets Jesse, and he says, hey, gather all your sons. I want to see your son. He's ready to choose from among Jesse's sons the new king. And seven of the boys come into the room. Jesse's really proud the great prophet, the judge Samuel is among us. Here's all the boys. Samuel looks at each one. And he says, are these all your sons? I can imagine Jesse going, well, yeah, these are my boys. Are these all your sons? Ah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, there is another one. Uh, he's out in the fields with the sheep. We'll bring him in. Okay. I think that that's a picture that David being the runt of the family may have been left out more than just at that one time. David writes in verse 10, when my mother, when my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord 
will take care of me. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a smooth path because of my enemies. Horeni Adunai, Derechecha. Teach me your way. And this is so beautiful. This is so beautiful. David cries out. The Hebrew word is horeni. It's translated here as teach me. Anybody else have any other words that are brought in there? Any other English word other than teach? None. You all have teach. Show. What was that? Show. Show me. Show me. Teach, show, most of teach. Horeni. The root of this Hebrew word means to teach. However, from the root of this word, you get the word horim, which means parents. Parents are responsible to teach us the ways of God. So what David is crying out, not just teach me, parent me, oh God. When my mom and my dad forsook me, you're going to take me up. I need you to parent me. Your father, God, you're the one who leads me in the everlasting way. David is crying out for perfect parental care that can only come from a perfect father. The Lord wants to give us what our parents may have failed to give us. There are some times when we needed discipline and they did not give it. There are times when we needed unconditional love and we didn't receive it. There are times when we needed time and didn't get it. We needed commitment and affirmation. We needed instruction. There are times we need a blessing. Son, I just bless you in this. Daughter, I bless you in that decision. And it was absent. Healing begins with prayer. And it increases as we develop a trusting relationship with our Father, who is most holy. I want you to close your eyes. Our Father, we just recognize your presence among us this morning. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for Holy Spirit. Jesus, thank you for providing a way to get back into relationship with God, our Father. And the main key for releasing past pain is to, we need to forgive those who hurt us. Lord, David was probably faced with that. He needed to forgive his dad for leaving him out of that situation and other countless things where he was either overlooked, wounded, spoken down at. Lord, we need to forgive those that have hurt us. Forgiveness is the bedrock of Calvary. We need to forgive parents. 
guardians. We need to forgive other significant authorities. Father, you pointed to my heart years ago. I needed to forgive that teacher that beat me over the head with a boot and just humiliated me in front of the whole class. I was damaged when that happened. Lord, we've had authorities that have done terrible things when they've been stretched or pushed to a place and having a horrific day and they took it out on us. God, we forgive today. We need to forgive. I want you to allow the Holy Spirit right now to bring someone to your mind that was in an authoritative position, may have been a babysitter, but they had authority over your life and there was a wound, a wound, damaging thing that happened, a word that was spoken, an action that was happened, a rejection publicly, a humiliation, God, we choose to forgive today. And Lord, we choose to separate our concept of God from how they represented authority in any way. You are perfect. They were so shortcoming. And Lord, we want to confess our sin of judging authorities and reacting to them in unloving ways. Lord, we want to forgive uh, not just really close-knit authorities, pastors and teachers and parents and guardians and grandparents and aunts and uncles. And Lord, we want to forgive local representatives in political spheres. Lord, we want to forgive governmental authorities that have said or done things that we've either disagreed with or had a hard time with. God, you want our hearts pure so that our prayers can be effective, so that we can come to a place of wholeness. So, Lord, we just confess our shortcomings to you today. How easily we have missed it. We've missed the mark, but we take it, the opportunity to confess to you today that our attitudes toward authorities have, has really been skewed off and sometimes hurtful and sinful. God, forgive us of our unloving ways. And today, Lord, we want to receive your forgiveness. Forgive us today. Jesus, you taught us to pray that. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. That's why forgiveness is so key and critical. We are a forgiving people today, both extending and receiving. And Lord, we want to release today any and all expectations that we've had on authorities that never were fulfilled. How we so would have longed for them to be like this or like that, and they weren't. 
So we just release the expectations that we've had on them and know that our expectation of knowing God and having intimacy with you is your longing desire. You want to fulfill us in every way that you've created us. So, Lord, we place all of that expectation on the Lord. And we, like David, say, parent us, O God. O Father, Horeni, parent us, teach us, show us the way. Be the father that our earthly fathers could never be as good as some may have acted and responded to us, none are perfect except you, our Father in heaven. And Lord, since we're in a tender moment with you, we, we just choose forgiveness toward anyone that has hurt us, not just authorities. We want to extend forgiveness toward our spouse, toward our parents, toward our siblings, toward our children, perhaps grandchildren. We extend forgiveness today toward neighbors, toward past church members that damaged us. We just extend forgiveness to everyone today, Lord. As far as it depends upon you, be at peace with all men and women. So, Lord, we pray you'd cleanse us today that we could receive everything that's in your heart for each of us this day. And Lord, in that breath of asking forgiveness, we also ask, Father, that you would reveal more of yourself to each of us. We want to know the love of the Father. We want to know and believe the love which you, Father, have for us. You are love. You're the God who is love. So thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. That when we abide in love, we abide in God, and God abides in us. And thank you that you have such unlimited, endless, boundless love for every one of us who are called by your name. And Lord, we just believe that in this day, because you are such a supernatural God, that you would heal us of all the wounded places. The love of the Father heals us. Jesus saves us. The Father heals us. All the deep wounds that we have, the history of woundedness, our damaged souls, every element of emptiness that we felt. Fill that up, Lord. Father, pour out your love to us 
in an amazing way that can fill up that which is lacking to the obedience of Christ. So grant, I pray, your glorious, almighty healing to the wounded souls of each and every one of us, to the glory and to the majesty of the name and nature and character and person and authority of Jesus. Amen.